Welcome to the poem, the Parsha, the podcast. I'm Rivi. And I'm Adrian, And we are thrilled to be talking about the Parsha and the poem and everything in between. Yes. How, so how's it like? How's life? Adrian? you're so bored. I have nothing going on at all. Nothing. Nothing I just, like packing up a house. I just sit at home and I read poetry <laughs> and I think about the Parsha <laughs> And I eat a lot of snacks. Um, and you know what I'm doing over here? I'm like reading the Parsha, working about like poetry. a jog, even though you're retired. Oh, it's yeah. so retired. It's unbelievable. Um, so tell us this week we have a new Parsha and a new poem. How about a few lines on the Parsha? I cannot help but get beyond thrilled in this. In this really intense way, when we enter the stories of Yosef. I know. I, I just like, I feel like I wait my whole entire year for the stories of Yosef. I feel like it is one of the most compelling narratives in our Tanakh. It is. And it's a long one. It's for Parshiot. Yes. And this week we begin with Parshat Vayeshev. And I think because it is so family and sibling oriented, Everyone connects to it. Yes, it is one of the most relatable arcs, I think, that we have. And, and I think there's a reason it, it is so pressing and so sort of early in the cycle of the year. I feel like it's kind of like, like this was well marketed, right? And, it's like the hook that brings you in. And, and you know what? It's really, you know, let's just sit around the campfire. Yes. Let's sit around the hearth and... We have so much to talk about, and what really gets me every year, and in it really every year, it also catapults me back to fourth grade in Hill Academy of Pittsburgh. Mr. Roberts was our teacher, and one of the things we were supposed to do was we had to create a diorama from one of the scenes of the Yosef story. Oh my God, I was just talking about dioramas with my sister, and like the the holy place they hold in the <laughs> elementary school imagination. I mean, dioramas is like everything. They okay. are. So the diorama, of course, that I picked was Yosef being thrown in the pit, and I had to kind of like figure out how to get like a a, a three dimensional you know pit happening below the surface. This is no small task. I for was someone just thinking about like grade. for a nine year old, this is a feat of engineering I mean, magnificence. I mean, it is. And also, what I love is basically worldwide through the Jewish world, you do the Yosef stories in fourth grade. And, yes. And that's it. And and that's, you know, everyone says, what's your curriculum? Okay, let me tell you the curriculum, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's all right here. Okay. It's all right you here. You get to fourth grade, you do the four partiote, and that way by fifth grade you start your mode. But anyway, but Yeshev, <laughs> um, let's just talk about how the, the jealousy is visceral. Yes. And that's the theme that we're talking about. And how can we continue to you know, even navigate this idea that parents have preferences. It seems to be a No, thing. they don't. <laughs> wait a, a, wait a minute. Yes, it, they do. They do. Listen, we all have preferences. We are all human beings. We have our flaws. And I think that when we hold up the Joseph story and we hold it up in fourth grade, it's like we're finally at the age where we can look at the complexity of humans oh, nice. and recognize that... People can be both and. People can be difficult and jealous and angry. And people can be 
pillars of communities and pillars of kindness. You know what's and great about the Torah? I mean, so many things. Of but course. What's great about the Torah is it gives us permission to be human. Yes. Because Yaakov, Yaakov, who he himself was a victim of a sibling situation, goes mm-hmm. ahead, raises his children, V'Yisrael Ahavet Yosef Mikol Banav. Full stop. Ouch. Yosef, Yaakov loves Yosef <coughs> from more than all of his brothers. Kibenzukunimhu, because he was the youngest. And he made him, oh, come on, people, parental misstep. Yes. He makes him a special garment. Yes. And then, of course, everyone sees this, and they are jealous. So if you haven't figured it out, beloved listeners, we're talking about jealousy. What poem do we have? So we have this week... William Blake's A Divine Image. Um, it is a very brief poem. It is Rivi's favorite kind of poem with lovely <laughs> end rhymes. You it know, comes I love to a poem us. Rhymes. I know. It, it, it is rhyming poetry is essential. Rhyming poetry gives us the music of imagination. Thank you. That All right, next week you find a long poem oh, that goes no. nowhere and has no poetry. I will. I, it's just gonna be. It's gonna be like a shopping list. Okay. Um, <laughs> that would be so a great poem. That actually found poetry is a whole thing. I love found poetry. So um, and 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 it comes to us from early and then it's late in the 18th or early in the the 19th century. So like your moment in history also. Really. Oh come on. Um. And I think it's important to frame this also. A divine image comes to us from Songs of Experience. And there's a sibling poem called The Divine Image, which turns these, which turns this poem sort of on its head, so to speak. Because we're really going to get in deep here with some scary, scary um flavors yeah it is of, scary. of humanity yeah. it's it's sort of the, the did you mention william blake yet yes this okay, is good. william blake um who was born in 1757 and died in 1827 um and he was i mean he was also a painter he was a, a biblical scholar he was and, and adrian made me feel really good when i said oh i think i have a whole book on william blake and adrian said Everyone has a whole book on William Blake. Oh, come on. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, yeah. I meant like you are part you are part of a community of people who value poetry and value great works. And, not, and he's I a did not mean it. No, yes, I, know that. I did not mean it in a dismissive way. I understand, but William Blake is really an amazing philosopher. Yes. Yes. And and so there's a lot of complexity. I think we should just read the poem. Yes. This is a divine image by William Blake. Cruelty has a human heart, and jealousy a human face. Terror the human form divine, and secrecy the human dress. The human dress is forged iron, the human form a fiery forge. The human face a furnace sealed, the human heart its hungry gorge. Just try to explain that one. Oh boy. Um, I mean, we get... The first line is like being slapped in the face. Cruelty has a human heart. Ouch. Yeah. No, I think I know so much is perhaps obvious here, but mm-hmm. I think this poem, and maybe I'm wrong, you'll correct me, this poem to me screams irony. You know, it is it is said about human beings over and over again, we're created in the, in the divine image, and then what's the first line? Cruelty has a human heart. 
And it's like the flip side. It's the underbelly of being human. Yes, it is the it is the part that we so wish to bury. And I think that's why we can hold this up to the Yosef story and sort of mine it for these scary parts of humanity and confront them in a way that is still meaningful. I, I, I mean, it's so dreary. I mean, it's so negative. It's very... It's, it's, a, it's like a drag man. Come on. Cruelty, the, jealousy, terror... Ah. And cruelty, jealousy, terror, and then the last line in this stanza, this is two stanzas of four lines each, secrecy. So we have cruelty, jealousy, terror, and then secrecy. So what's that secrecy here? And secrecy, I mean, the human to the dress. other horrors, right? Cruelty, <clears throat> jealousy, terror, bad. Um, what's secrecy? The human dress. Oh, because, hello. Take it away. Well, because our human clothing covers up conceals conceals yes what's in our heart and and so human beings are walking around we're cruel we're jealous um terror what's that terror the human form divine oh oh my gosh we're like how terror how awesome how frightening is it that we're actually created in the image of the divine yes. and we are miserable yes yes we are um i think that's one of those scary confrontational lines of like humans are terrifying in their both their capacity for cruelty and jealousy and it is terrifying that we are made in the image of what is supposed to be perfect and coming back to the tribes they yes. are called shifte ka they oh. are called the holy tribes yes we these are the four fathers i mean the 12 we don't call them the forefathers but they are from whence we all come yes and they are considered the holy tribes and it is always interesting to me that our Parshanim, our Midrash, continuously look at this story and, and to an interesting degree try to help us see them through a positive lens. It's, yes, I absolutely agree. I think that there is an acknowledgement of these really scary, painful human um, emotions. emotions and characteristics. And there is also the the idea that they are here for a reason like they are here because they are still models are you talking about the shift the yes yes, yes. I, and i thought you were i i think another really interesting piece is you know what humans are not angels no humans have emotions yes and you know there's that famous gemara which i love to quote which says you know Somebody went up to God, I should go get the exact pieces of it, and said, hey, this is terrible. Why don't you take away, you set up, I think there was a complaint to God. You sent humans up to fail. So, hey, God, why don't you take away the evil inclination, so to speak, the Yetzer Hara. Yes. And let give humans a fair shot. And then what happened? There was no desire, so there was no... Um, competition, so there was no building, and there was no creating. There was and there no was, passion. There was no passion, there was no drive, and what a boring life. And so we have these passions, we have these drives, and we say, you know, that jealousy will make you a better student. If we didn't feel... Oh, that's right. You know, if we didn't feel that there was some competition, who's going to get a good grade on their test? Who's going to try to have their company succeed the most? Who's going to try to do the best without... A healthy dose of jealousy slash competition. That I'm think I'm really thinking about that. 
And I'm also thinking about um, this, this, so two things. One, secrecy appears in this last line of the stanza. And then the next one says, the human dress mm. is forged iron. What is that? Well, I will tell you what it means. And I'm also going to acknowledge that I love that the people came to do the lawn today. Perfect. It's perfect. It's great. And I'm sure the microphone's not picking it up. And I'm sure it's not annoying or anything. No. Anyway, so, um, and the lawnmower's getting closer and closer. Oh, God. Uh, you know, I... Hebrew is the greatest language. I think yes. I may have mentioned this another time on every podcast, but I don't know that all the podcast people listen to everything, but here we go. Yes. The word for clothing in Hebrew is beged. Yes. Bet gimel dalet. Bet gimel dalet is also the word for trickery. Oh, and that's right. Like, um, or um, uh, when you when you bagad, when you rebel, when you are deceitful. And so your clothing tell a lie. You're cloaked. You're, You're cloaked. cloaked. Your clothing tells a lie because it's saying, oh, look at you in that great black dress. Underneath, we know what you really look like. And so, biggie da. And so the human dress is forged iron, meaning we all pretend to be these wonderful human beings, but deep in our heart, we've got cruelty and jealousy. The human form of fiery forge. So we are looking like everything. We're tough. We're fiery. Yes. The human face of furnace sealed, but that door is shielded up. I'm interpreting the whole poem for you. You really and are. Take it heart, away. Now, then it goes, then he kind of like really goes, the human heart, it's hungry gorge. Um, which means, what do you think that means? So a gorge is a geographical feature. Um, it is like a deep, can, almost, almost like a, a canyon where there's water, and the <laughs> we are giggling about the lawnmower here. So these these deep, the human heart, a hungry gorge is like this deep, deep oh. place, oh, a place where there is oh, no access. Thank you. And oh it is God. hungry. It is hungry perpetually. It is. It has a need to be satisfied. Oh my goodness! I feel like if. If we all take one single thing away from this is the human heart, it's, it's hungry, gorge. So what is our heart hungry for that jealousy is the mechanism? I mean, I think, I think we are social creatures. I think we are hungry for connection. I think we are hungry oh, for value. Oh, you're being so nice. I was going to say, we're hungry for love. We're hungry for love. We're, we're hungry, hungry for love. We're hungry for recognition. We're hungry to feel special. My mother always said, everyone's wearing on their shirt a sign that says, make me feel important. Yes. And, yes. you know, and here we are, the the brothers of Yosef, they were not feeling important. Because no. Because that, that beautiful Oh, that Joseph's beautiful Katonet Pasim was right? really... Um, They're not feeling good. They do not feel good oh, when they see him parading around. And that is, I mean, we still see that... To this day, we still see people oh, in their gosh. beautiful garments, whatever that garment may be. It FOMO. Can be, yes, FOMO is a real thing. FOMO is real, and I want to say I'm concerned. Yes. I'm concerned about young kids with their phones yes. seeing what someone is wearing that they don't have, seeing how they look, and seeing all of that. And it's, it just came up this week. I'm I'm very concerned. It's... I mean, friends, parents, take away the phones. Easy yes. for me to say. <laughs> My children are too young for phones. They, they do not have phones. 
Um, but I, they do access media in, in other ways without me even understanding how they're doing it. Like, it's just, it's a generational thing. Our children have access to things that we do not understand. Um, and so I see them seeing these things or telling me after the fact that they are seeing these things. And it is scary to see the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the constant need for more, the constant more, the constant, and it's not even, it doesn't even need to be like a material thing. It's, it's the just sort of intrinsic, intrinsic in, in them, this need for more. Okay, and I say, I, I want to own it because I said our kids and students and your kids, but guess what? How about all of us scrolling on yes, Facebook? Yes, of course. Someone puts up that great dish they cooked. What cook? Where they get it? What's the recipe someone put up? They're having fun somewhere. Yes. You know, even a little part of me is going, wait, hold on. Fun happening without me? How could that happen? How could that be true? How could that be true? There is nothing more fun than the poem, the part of the podcast. Honestly. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I wonder, it makes me also wonder about the sort of cultivation of these public personas. Yeah, and went just through, went through my brain. I don't want to bring up such a really difficult subject in such a simple, quick way, but the mass shootings we're seeing, yeah, and the murders, and the murder in Iowa, Idaho, excuse me, right yes. near us. I'm telling you, it's all going to come back to social media and who someone was with and who was left out, mm-hmm. and the FOMO, mm-hmm. and seeing other people having fun, and seeing what other people have, and knowing that you don't have it. And I'm also going to throw in anti-Semitism, which everyone is talking about now. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. My Instagram feed is full of anti-Semitism, and I don't mean it is full of people hating Jews. It is full of people talking about people hating Jews. Right. Even That's what like. I'm- even on Instagram, which is like supposed to be image driven, it's all about cultivation. It's all about fun. I I had to put it down this morning. I couldn't even look at it um, because I just thought I am not in a place to be able to look at this in a healthy way. And so much, and I don't want to make it small. I really am no, not, never, never, so never. So much of anti-Semitism is driven by jealousy. Yes, I you know there was I was in Yad Vashem and. The um, docent was telling this very, um, you know, powerful story of a town that of all the Jews were taken out and shot. And I know we say these things oh without really thinking and yeah. honoring the My horror of it. My stomach hurts now. Thank you. I know. But then within minutes, the people in the town, the Polish people of the town, went into the homes of the Jewish people and immediately took the clothing, they the took linen. everything. It was within an hour. That's... There is so much jealousy that does drive. That's not an excuse. It's not an explanation. It's a phenomenon. In this jealousy that we're talking about in the poem and the Parsha, and of course in our podcast, yes. is how do we control the, the jealousy that we each experience so that it doesn't become lethal and fatal? Because it did for Yosef. He was thrown in a pit and sold as a slave. Yes. Um, How do we? How do we? I think... And what is Blake's Blake's poem telling us about that? Um, Oh, gosh. This is a lot of layers. I'm going to try to unpack this. At 19 minutes and 45 seconds in, I'm going to try to unpack this as succinctly as possible. I think that we have mechanisms that 
that provide boundaries. One of them, of course, we can, the easy reach here is Torah. Torah provides boundaries. Torah provides examples. This is, like, don't do this, right. friends. Right. This is a bad choice. Not a good choice. Not a good Brothers, idea. Hey, bros, not good. No, don't go here is what our Torah is telling us. Um, I think we also have bigger picture, not bigger picture, not that's not what I mean, but I think within the larger world, we have mechanisms in place that help us do things like regulate our emotions. I think seeking connection, like real connection, is a, is a very good way to mitigate that jealousy. Good, healthy relationships mitigate all of the ugliness of human experience. And I'm going to go with Musar. I... Uh, yeah, and that was, gonna be, was like Mossar. now, like even beyond like interpersonal relationships, we have scholarly structures, we have behavioral structures that provide us tools for managing right. these things, like Mossar, right? And to navigate our own foibles, tikkun hamidot, yes, um, to continuously seek to fix, to address, to make our character traits better, and. One of the ways we do that is by studying Torah personalities, looking at them and saying, oh my, this led. And and this jealousy, I'm going to just say it, this jealousy leads to the selling of Joseph, mm-hmm. which leads to the slavery in Egypt, mm-hmm. which leads actually to our national narrative, which is don't oppress the stranger, which yes. is the ultimate in navigating of our emotions. It is. It is because it takes, it holds up the most vulnerable among us to, and, and challenges us to treat them as if they are not vulnerable. To, to, to bring them and they're in. Not a threat yes, to us. They're yes, not, that's what I mean. They're, like they're not, they're not a threat. They're no. not going to take what I have. No, they're no. not going to take what I have. And, and it's okay. If As they, they say, it's not pie. It's More for somebody abundant. else does not mean less for me. Right, exactly. Abundant thinking. All right, friends, are we pulling it together here? I think so. All right, well, friends, sorry for the background noise, and we're hoping it doesn't come through. Yes. Very hoping. Yes. Yes, I'm jealous of people that don't have lawns being done, but I, I'm so happy <laughs> that I have a lawn being done. Yes. <laughs> Everyone loves a good landscape. Um, and Blake told us that with his... Gorge. With his gorge. Which is hungry gorge. The human heart... It's hungry gorge. Yes. Ouch. Okay. I know. I know. All right. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Until next time. Until next time.